All right, Philippians chapter number 2. Once again, Philippians chapter number 2. Talking about living in a sinful world. We know that this is a crooked and perverse nation and world that we're living in. Nobody has to tell us that. That which happens on a daily basis proves that out. But Christ has called us who are saved to live a certain way despite how evil things get around us. Last week we began looking at the believer's duty and we saw that we have a duty to work out that what, that what God is working inside of us, that salvation He's worked in our life is to work its way on the outside of our lives. God has worked that salvation in every one of us that have believed, and I hope that He's worked it in your heart. If God has worked His salvation in your heart, are you working it out? Uh, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. We've been commanded to put off the old man and to put on the new man, and we've been instructed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We also saw that we have a duty to watch our Christian testimony. Uh, we are to, to do all things without murmurings and do all things without disputings. We're to be blameless and harmless, to be the sons of God without rebuke. We're to shine as lights in the world. And I want to pick up there are a couple additional duties we're going to look at this morning as we continue with this theme that uh, the Apostle Paul had in this chapter of Scripture. Let's take a look at Philippians 2. And let's begin reading verse number 12. We'll read down to verse number 18. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now here's our verses for this morning. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Amen. Well, first thing we see here is we have a duty to fulfill the Great Commission. It's what verse 16 is all about. He said the two words holding forth there were translated from words that convey the idea that the, the Christian will make the word of life continuously available to unbelievers. Holding forth. I had the picture of somebody holding something forth, holding out a gift uh, to be received. Uh, he'll hold out the light of the gospel, offering it to the unbeliever. Now, the gospel is called the word of life because it reveals and offers to us eternal life through Jesus Christ. Life and immortality were brought in our lives, those of us that are saved, it was brought to us through the gospel. And so it is truly the word of light. It's our duty not only to hold fast, but to hold forth that gospel. We're to hold fast to it, the word of life. 
hold it fast for our own benefit, but we are to hold it forth for others' benefit. We're to hold it forth just as one who would hold forth a torch to light the way for someone. Amen? Uh, We're to hold it forth just as a lighthouse continuously shines to protect ships from crashing into the shoreline. We'd hold forth the light of the gospel to reveal the dangers which stand ready to destroy the souls of men. We're to light the way for the souls of men who are tossed on life's sea to be able to make it safely to the shore. Now this duty we know rests on us as believers. Christ said in Matthew 5, 14, He said, Ye are the light of the world. And in Matthew 5, 16, He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is an obligation from which we cannot escape. We are duty-bound to do this. We are duty-bound because we are commanded to do it. The Great Commission. Uh, several different places in Scripture. I'll just mention Mark 16, 15. But on more than one occasion, Christ commanded it. Mark 16, 15, He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're duty-bound because we're called to do it. We're called to do it. Um, Isaiah 43, verse 10 and 11, the Lord said, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. The world needs to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there's no other salvation available except through him. Acts 1.8, Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended, um, and back to his uh, Father's throne in heaven, he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in, Judea, in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we're duty-bound because we've been commanded to do it. We're duty-bound because we are debtors to do it. Um, the Apostle Paul talked about that debt that we have in Romans 1, verse 14 through 16. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're duty-bound because we're debtors. Um, hold your place there. Flip a few pages over to your right. Uh, you'll get through the book of Colossians, and you'll come to uh, the book there of First Thessalonians. And I want you to look at chapter number 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, in verse number 4. <clears throat> and this shows the debt that we have. He said, but, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. The, the gospel has been put into our trust. You put something in someone's trust, there's a stewardship commitment there in there. There's stewardship. And we have a stewardship. We're, we're, we're debtors 
uh, with regard to the gospel because of that. And that's not, not that verses, I know is not in your notes. You might want to write that down, First Thessalonians 2, 4. That's a, an additional one that I came on after I'd already printed out your, your handouts there. But we are duty-bound also because we're kept here for that purpose. Think about it. If, if the Lord uh, had uh, was, was done with us after he saved us, he'd have just taken us on home to glory. But he had something for us to do. I love Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But you know, Ephesians 2, verse 10 is there as well. Listen to the words. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we say, praise God, hallelujah. I'm glad that's true. But then it says, for we are His workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, listen, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You say, well, Brother Jerry, what's good works? Well, listen, a good work is, is any work that Christ is involved in. It's any work that Christ is involved in. Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We ought to be concerned like Christ is concerned for souls. He was concerned enough that he left his throne in heaven, came, and died on their behalf. And we ought to be concerned with those that don't know Christ as well. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All things are of God who hath reconciled us, praise God, <laughs> unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Again, it's been given to our trust. He committed it to us. Uh, we've been given the job to get it out. <laughs> he says here, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Another, a fifth thing here is we're duty-bound because there are, no, there are no others to do it. If we don't do it, who's going to do it? Uh, if we as believers do not let others know about Christ, it's not going to get done because uh, frivolous people will not let the fools know. <laughs> they, uh, the, neither will the proud warn the other that are proud. Neither the scoffer will warn the scoffer. The thoughtless and the vain will not go tell others that there is a God and a Savior, nor will the wicked warn the wicked and tell them they are on their way to hell. There are none who will do this but believers. And if we neglect it, sinners will go unwarned and unalarmed down to death and hell. This duty rests on each of us as believers. There is not one believer who is exempt from this obligation. And there's not one believer who cannot do something in this work. That's the truth. God has called us to do it, and we can all do something. How then are we to do it? Well, we're to do it by our example. Let me ask, can others see Jesus in you? As they see you live your life, do they know that you're different than what they are? If you were the only Bible that folks read, 
would they know of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ? Everyone who names the name of Christ is to hold forth the living word by our example. We are either pointing men to Christ by a good testimony or we're giving them a poor excuse to, to live their lives away from God by a poor testimony. So let me ask this morning, how is your testimony as a believer? Is it a testimony that Christ is pleased with? What does your involvement in the things of this world or your lack of involvement in the things of God say about you as a believer? Just think about it. What does your church attendance say about you as a believer? What do your leisure activities say about you as a believer? What does your attitude and actions at work or in school and home or out in the marketplace say about it? What does your checkbook and your spending habits say about it? What do the places where you go and the things you do say about it? What do the things you watch, the things you listen to, and the things you read say about it? What does your conversation, the things you talk about, what does it say about the Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel? We're to do it by our example. We're to do it by our conversation also, though. Listen, Christ intends for our evangelism to be more than just lifestyle evangelism. Now, our lifestyle is important. I stand by that. Uh, if you're saying one thing and you're doing another, that's not good. <laughs> we, need, we need to have the right example that we're putting forth, and we need to be talking to others about the Lord. Each of us has some influence over the minds and hearts of others. Now, I want you to listen to me real close, okay? And I want you to miss this. Do you know that there's some people that will listen to you that will not listen to me? Right? There's some people you can reach that I can't reach. There's some people who wouldn't give me the time of day. If I began to talk, try to talk to them about Christ, they'd shut me down, shut me up, and say, you know, I don't want to hear it. But they wouldn't do that to you because of your relationship with them. Each of us has some influence over the minds and hearts of others, and we're obligated to use that influence in holding forth the word of life to them. Yeah? It's our responsibility. We must share our faith with others, telling others what Christ has done for us and what he can do for them. Every believer ought to know how to lead us a soul to saving faith in Christ. But leave it, listen, even if you can't uh, verbally do it, uh, I know some folks are, they have a difficult time coming up with the words and all, that's why we got that, that uh, table full of tracks back there and material that if you would ask them to read something, they would read it. Especially if you said, I'm going to follow up and ask you about it you know, in a few days. If you, will you read that? And uh, I'd be concerned about what you think about that. Uh, I show your concern for them, how you're concerned for their soul. Every believer, though, should know how they came to Christ, so you ought to be able to lead somebody else to Christ. You know what Christ did for you. I know that I came under conviction of my sin. I know that I understood the gospel. I know that I believed the gospel. And I know what Christ did for me uh, because I was there. Amen? But every believer um, uh, is, has this requirement of being able to, to take and share 
our faith with others. We must earnestly contend for the faith as well, according to Jude 3. And that includes taking a stand for the truth and right, even in the midst of crookedness and perverseness around us. And you may, these, these folks that, that you want to talk to, they may not want to listen to you. Yeah. That's not on you if they don't want to listen. But it is on you if you never hold forth the word of life. Are you holding forth the word of life to them? We do it by our example. We do it by our conversation. We also do it by reaching folks that we cannot reach any other way than but by sending missionaries to lands near and far away. Uh, we, we, we support worldwide missions. I thank God for um, the missionaries that we're able to uh, support by God's grace and give Him the glory for it. Just this week, I was sitting down at a table with um, uh, someone and they had visited um, back when we had to get some Gideons that came in. They were one of the Gideons that came and visited our church. And they were, he was telling me how uh, uh, he, he loved, how we loved missionaries. How we, uh, we had a love for and desire to see the gospel get around the world. Well, you know, it takes money to get God's work done. And I thank God for those that, that give so we, that we can uh, send the message around the world. I thank God for the, for the um, abilities that He has given us in these latter days. Uh, it's just unreal what technology can do. Um, I post back on the, um, on the bulletin board how things are going for the year with regard to the, the online ministry that we have. We, we have our messages on sermon audio uh, over 2,000 messages go out around the world, 365 days a year, uh, 24/7. I mean, it's all they're they're there, they're available, and and so far this year we've had almost 4,000 people listen to the messages in 58 different countries so far this year. Um, 40, I think 47 of the states, 47 of the 50 states, uh, we, we've gotten into. Um, and it's, it's something that previous generations didn't have. But we have the ability. And, and your giving supports us being able to do that. Put that on there. It takes money to buy cameras, equipment, and they, to, uh, the software to, to do things. And also we pay a monthly fee for sermon audio. We don't pay anything for YouTube, but we, we post it on YouTube as well. And I give God the glory. Uh, like I said, when we when we first came, uh, the Lord moved upon me to to, um, to 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 sign up in 2010, I believe it was when we first started posting messages online. It might have been 2009, but over 2,000 messages now are on there, and uh, the the gospel's available, and uh, we, we your giving helps get the gospel out to a lost and dying world takes money to get God's work done. So we have a duty to fulfill the Great Commission. Second thing I want us to see <coughs> back in our text is we have a duty to live in the joy of Christ. That's what he's talked about in verses uh, 16 through 18 there. He's holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, Yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy 
and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Um, Paul was heavy into the rejoicing in this book, which is kind of strange when you think about it, because he wrote this from a Roman prison. He wrote from a Roman prison. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, brethren, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was telling them to rejoice. You know how he was able to tell them? Because he was continually rejoicing as well. Philippians is known as a book of joy and rejoicing. Understand that true joy, real joy, Lasting joy comes from two things. Joy comes from knowing Christ. I want you to understand joy and happiness are two different things. They really are. I know they're closely associated, but joy comes from knowing Christ. True joy does. I want you to understand that, that people who are without Christ in their lives can experience joy. I'm not saying they can't, but it's only a temporary joy. It's a fleeting joy. It's a joy in some circumstance that's happening in their lives. Uh, so that happiness is based on happenings. You know, when the happenings are good, the happiness is there. When the happenings are not good, the happiness is not there. There can be joy in some of the temporal circumstances of life, but as circumstances change, listen, the joy can quickly depart. For example, uh, even a wicked person can experience joy in c- coming into a fortune. Um, maybe they win a sweepstakes or they win a lottery or receive a large inheritance. But listen, that joy can quickly pass as the circumstances change. Uh, think about them getting, getting hold of that money and then the next moment they get a call from the doctor, uh, you've been, you've, uh, you have just uh, days to live. Because what the, the 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 test that we ran on you, you're uh, you're very ill. To be stricken with a sudden um, illness and only have hours to live, or to have that fortune stolen in a moment. You know, come to a fortune, put it in a bank. Somebody steals it out of your bank because they got your your numbers and were able to sign in there and, and pretend that they were you. What I'm saying is. The things of this world can change. But the joy that comes from knowing Christ should be an unchanging joy. And it's unchanging because we have an unchanging Savior. Amen? Think about it. You're saved on your way to heaven, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's never going to change. <laughs> Hebrews 13.8 And we have an unchanging salvation. It's described in various scripture passages as everlasting and eternal. Aren't you glad for that? Have an everlasting salvation, eternal salvation. Uh, it's not going in. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. It says, For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. <clears throat> I say the joy... The joy that comes from knowing Christ should be an unchanging joy. But sadly, many are not walking in the joy that's available to them. You know, it's possible to to have a treasure without ever taking possession of it or without living in the benefit of it. 
want you to think about this. Someone were to give me a checkbook and tell me I could write any and as many checks that I wanted to and that they would all be covered. Think about that. What good would it do me if I never wrote a check? It's available, but I don't access it. I could not take possession of anything that was in that bank account unless I wrote a check. Now, if we focus on our circumstances, our joy, even as believers, will be fleeting. But if we focus on our Christ, okay, that's where our focus is supposed to be on. It's supposed to be on Him. If we focus on our Christ, our joy can be full and continual despite the circumstances of life that we face. Just think about the life of the Apostle Paul. Was he happy? <laughs> he was not in happy circumstances. I mean, when you read in the Scriptures the, the things that he went through, the, the, <clears throat> the imprisonments, the, the beatings, the, uh, the shipwrecks, and all, you say, boy, the, whew, he had a rough life. Yeah, but he was full of joy. You know why he was full of joy? Because nobody could take Christ from him. <laughs> And he knew that Christ was with him all the way. And he knew that he had an inheritance in heaven. He knew that uh, uh, he knew Christ and the joy that comes from knowing Christ. Joy not only comes from knowing Christ, joy comes from living for Christ. And that's what he did. Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Listen, the abundant life that Christ speaks of is a life of joy that comes from abiding in Christ. Again, this world can, cannot know this joy because they are living for its temporal uh, things. Uh, and those temporal things, it, it may, they may rust, may wear out, may corrupt, can be taken away. And whatever they do have at the end, listen, they leave it all behind. Think about it. One of these days, you're gonna what everything you worked for, you're gonna leave it all behind. Where's the joy in that? It's only temporary. It lasts only as long as whatever brings the joy lasts. But listen, the joy that comes from knowing Christ and living for Christ is a life that brings blessings not only here and now, but those blessings last forever. Last forever. The result of the Christ life does not rust out. It does not wear out. It does not corrupt in any way. It cannot be taken away from us. And furthermore, it is laid up in heaven for us. So when we die, we go to our reward. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3 and 4. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 and 4. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's shouting ground right there. Amen. But he, he, he's, he, he's, he's begotten us again, verse number 4, to a, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen? That's, that's what we have to look forward to. How sad it is that so many believers have traded a life of joy 
that comes from serving Christ for a life of serving self. It's no wonder they have no joy. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the gospels, the same shall save it. If you're a believer and you have no joy, you have probably lost your focus on Christ and have put your focus on your circumstances. The absence of joy will bring about a cynical and critical nature that leads to complaining and arguing and a life that winds up being miserable both for you and those around you. It just does. So listen to me, believers. Let's understand that our lives are on public display each and every day. How we live our lives and how we respond and, and react to many things that happen in our lives is very important because we are on public display. The people of this world are looking at us. So how are we as believers to live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation and world? Well, we have a duty to work out what God is working in us. Is He working in your life? If not, why don't you come and let Christ work in your life. Come receive His salvation so that He can work in you His work. Got a duty to watch our Christian testimony. We have a duty to fulfill the Great Commission. We have a duty to live in the joy of Christ. Listen, these duties are really privileges. I have the privilege of living for Christ. Amen. When I was lost, I couldn't live for Christ. But He's working in me. The work that I do, He's working it out through my life. The duties are really privileges. Let's not forget that. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank You today.